May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture today is from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat in which he was sitting. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose. The waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep, on a cushion. They woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And waking up, Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be silent, be still. And then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this whom even the wind and the sea obey? Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of Gerasene. And when they had stepped out of the boat, immediately a person from the tombs with an unclean spirit met them. It is a delight to see so many little, well, to hear so many little pitter-patter feet and to see so many faces, some new, some old, some young, some in between. I've naturally been thinking about this week throughout the summer. We've been preparing for, for many months to enter Come Together Sunday, to turn the page of a new chapter to begin a new year. It's been a big, dear, and a big deal in our own family as well, as my oldest daughter started public school pre-K and went from her old daycare that she knew to this big new building that she doesn't, with new friends and new teachers. I've been thinking about that transition for, for all of us who are starting new schools and, and for all of us here as a church heading into another new year together with plans, intentions, and hopes that, as I mentioned at the top, we think will come to fruition this time. I've been thinking about what it takes and what it looks like to step into those new ventures with our best foot, knowing that we have been through a hard time knowing that many of us still have some feelings of fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. So I found myself drawn to this passage, to this story of fear and faith, which, to be honest, throughout my ministry, especially in my earlier ministry years, was one of my favorite stories. A younger version of me loved pairing this story with 1 John's theological belief that perfect love casts out all fear. It presents a rather enticing image. You can imagine a faith that is deep enough, a love that is sincere enough, being able to cast aside any worries you may have. 
just reach that perfection in faith, and all those worries will fall away. If you could promise me that possibility, I would sign up in a heartbeat. Especially a younger version of myself who would have loved to be above and beyond feelings of fear or uncertainty or unknown. It's enticing, the storied image of a God who would calm life's storms if we but ask, or if the disciples were simply faithful enough to believe. That is, after all, the traditional interpretation of this passage that greets us here in Mark, at the end of Mark chapter 4. And while I'd love to lean into that bold message here at the start of the new year, more and more recently, this story has been feeling off. And it revolves around this one simple question that I keep coming back to. I mean, how are the disciples supposed to be feeling here in this story? They are sailing across the sea on, let's, let's assume, a pretty simple boat 2,000 years ago. There is a massive storm. The waves are knocking folks back and forth. Many of these folks are not professional sailors. And Jesus is asleep. While they are heading off to some distant shore that many of them have not been to before. How are they supposed to be feeling in this story? Now, it's not a one-to-one -one example, but if I were, let's say, asleep at the wheel while driving and my daughter was with me in the car, I would hope that she would wake me up. Similarly, if, if let's say we as a congregation were to be navigating something as turbulent as, I don't know, a big global pandemic, the likes of which none of us have seen before, I would be surprised perhaps concerned and even confused if feelings of fear, anxiety, and certainty weren't there. They are natural. They are rational, in fact. Some things in life feel scary for good reasons. And while it would be, seem nice to live in a world where faith could simply make uncertainty unknown and fear disappear, life and faith are rarely that simple. So what do we do with this passage? Can it still be a strong message of encouragement for us here as we start a new year? The sound booth, can I just get a slight reduction on the mic volume here? It just feels slightly hot. Thank you. Perfect. All right. If I raise my voice later for a really good point, I wouldn't want it to, you know. Those of you who are with us during the season of Lent, you may recall that we shared a series that we called Life in the Midst. We were looking at those virtues and promises of our faith that are meant to sustain us when life becomes hard. We talked about hope in the midst of despair, resiliency in the midst of decline, even such things as serenity in the face of mortality. While we didn't explicitly say it anywhere along the way, that whole theme was brought about by a conversation that our worship team shared about the late Desmond Tutu and one of his core beliefs that hope is in the long view. 
Desmond Tutu, as you might imagine, is often asked about where he sees hope in the world or in South Africa or, or in any changing context. And he always responds with that answer. We have to take the longer view. That is where we see and remember that we are part of a still unfolding story about God's redemptive love in the world, about the, the power and possibility for we as human beings and communities to change and even change for the better. It doesn't mean that there won't be setbacks or hardships along the way. But, he reminds us, when we cast our eyes to the horizon, we see longer and longer story arcs that point us towards deeper and deeper hopes. You see, one of the funny aspects of preaching in the context of worship is that what we often do is take chunks of scripture and treat them as isolated individual stories. We take a passage like this one here in Mark, chapter 4, and act as if it has a clear beginning, middle, and end, when really what we are seeing is part of a much larger story. You see, taken on its own, where this passage typically ends, where it does end in the formal lectionary, it would end at the end of chapter 4. You do have it with you in your bulletins if you want to see how it ends. On its own, what we have is a story of the disciples setting sail, being tested by this storm, only to see that their faith seems to fail them. But thankfully, the faithfulness of God does not. And when we leave the disciples, they are struck, we could say with awe, but the scripture says they are struck with fear. Ultimately, we have a story of the disciples, of those who would follow Jesus, being overcome by fear. And thank goodness for the faithfulness of God. It's a good story, and it'll preach. But if we take the longer view, if we take Tutu's notion in hand, if we expand the horizon of this story, we actually see a rather different story arc, one that I think is much more helpful and empowering for us, whether we are talking about a faith community or our little ones that we are sending off nervous to a new school. We see that the disciples set sail, that they are challenged by the storm, that they are afraid, that Jesus shows up faithfully, thank goodness, calms the storm, helps them through it, and then they reach the other shore. They take that next step forward, and immediately they begin to meet the needs of the community around them. The story, like many stories in Mark's gospel, moves forward quickly. When we keep reading this gospel story, this pericope, this passage of the disciples at sea, is less of its own full story arc, and it's more of one of those side chapters that we often find near the climax of the movies. Here is this big challenging moment in which Everyone will be tested deeply. And they don't know how they're going to get through. 
They are that afraid. But they do. And when they set foot on that new shore, what we find as we read on is that they are changed people. They have found new courage, perhaps in God, perhaps in knowing that they made it through together, perhaps in even believing that they themselves, as individual disciples, can, in fact, weather hard things. These are two very different stories to share, two very different lessons that are primarily shaped just by how wide of a lens you are willing to take. It's the difference between asking us to consider whether these disciples failed or passed a test versus seeing how they were tried and challenged and afraid, and yet they survived and moved forward and began to move as a community. There's a big difference between saying, God is with you, you need not be afraid, and God is with you, yes, even in this fearful place. In both cases, the promise of God's presence, it is the clear and powerful source of courage that we may need, and yet only in one of these framings is the simple reality of human fear affirmed. Those of you who, have, who are parents or grandparents or even teachers, perhaps, you have probably faced this this week or a couple weeks back with the start of new school. A teacher is, and parent is nodding at me over here. As I mentioned, Avery started public pre-K this week, and it was a pretty big deal for her. And I watched as throughout the summer, she went from being, I'm really excited and a little bit nervous, to just saying that she's nervous, to then saying that she's scared and doesn't want to go. It's a hard feeling as a parent to sit with and watch, and yet it's one that we all know. It is fair for my daughter to feel nervous or a little afraid at starting a new school. So. Would I better serve her by telling her, Avery, darling, why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. Your nice new teacher and new friends will be there. Or by saying, very similar, it's okay to feel nervous or scared. I always feel nervous and scared at the start of something new. Do you think your other new friends will be feeling nervous too? What helps you when you're feeling nervous? I'm glad that your kind teacher will be there. In one of those stories, I challenge my daughter to not feel a feeling that she already is feeling. In the other version, I'm trying to help her process what she's feeling and find a way to lean upon the assets that she has. She's felt nervous before, and she's been okay. She has friends. She has her parents dropping her off, the nice new teacher. 
Both of these stories affirm the presence of a loving caregiver, but only one empowers the person to move forward through her fear rather than to feel defeated or shamed because of it. When we take the long view of this story, we remember that God is with us even in life's fearful places, even in the valley of the shadow of death. And that that great commandment or promise to not be afraid is less about reaching perfection in faith and more about practicing how we remember that we can do hard things, that God is with us even in those hard moments. Faith is not some product that eliminates fear, even if younger Pastor Me wanted to believe that. Faith is not a product that eliminates fear. It is the process by which we learn to move forward through fear together by learning to trust in God, by learning to trust in our community, and yes, even by learning to trust in our own personal capacity to do hard things. When we expand this story, we find that this is a story of hopeful progress, of a community that is challenged, that survives, and then sets the new foot forward as changed people. We do not tell the laboring mother that she will not feel pain. Rather, we strive to help her breathe through that pain so she can continue onward. It's kind of like that. Life and spirituality is not a big lesson in learning to live without fear, but in finding the faith to move through fear to where love is calling us to go. And so whether we are considering the start of the new school year or the start of this new church year, friends, I hope that we will receive this expanded horizon. Consider how this moment is part of a larger story. That can be the larger story of St. Luke, a community that decade after decade has embraced big, hard, messy challenges and have found faithful ways to move forward together. We have done this before. We can do it again, even if things look different. Maybe it's the wider story, going even wider as Desmond Tutu would challenge us to, and considering how the redemptive arc of God's love and justice is continually pulling us toward hope, even when the present-day crises seem too big to imagine a way forward. We have made it through this season together. It was darn hard and exhausting and scary. And we did it. We're still doing it. God was with us. We were with each other in creative ways, and sometimes in sleepy ways or screen-based ways. We were together. And each of you, as a child of God, as a person of a faith, as a person trying to do good in the world, you too 
have made it through this time. Remember that when the new challenges come up, as they indeed will. We are people who weather storms and then step a bold foot forward. And a little bit of good news I want to end upon is that when we do that, we may find that there is deep purpose and conviction and love and community ready and waiting upon that next shore. In the case of the disciples, they are immediately confronted with one who is in need of healing and they go about that healing. And then they find more and more people and the ring of community expands outward. In our case, as prepare yourselves, you'll hear in our long list of announcements, we have a lot of exciting programs, opportunities, and important challenges to embrace this fall together. There is good purpose. Our communities, our families, our world needs love, justice, and peace-oriented communities like ours to step forward in faith and to bring those hopeful reminders. As we do so, may we find that love is there to greet us, that community is there, that the joy of being together like we have experienced so far together is here. And may it indeed be a blessing to us. But mostly this morning, may we remember that the way forward is not through alleviating fear, but by learning to breathe through it together, to lean on each other and upon our God. So may God grant us that courage and conviction because there's still some uncertainty together, but we'll be here in this boat, ready to face what's next. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.